big journey of, uh, and really journey is the right word there. We talked about the Feast of Tabernacles and how God said in the seventh month of the year, in the 15th day, I want you guys every year for as long as there's a, a Hebrew race, as long as there are Orthodox Jews in the world, I want you to stop. And I want you to celebrate a feast under the Lord. I want you to build these temporary shacks, these huts, just sticks and twigs and luxuriant, they called them branches, so palm leaves and you know, something that will cover you, but not so much that you can't see the stars move at night. I want you to move out of your houses made of stone. I want you to, to sleep as you did when you were wandering for 40 years in the wilderness where every day I fed you and every day I led you and every day there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I want you to remember what it was to be so close to a God who frequently moved. Even though you're not moving anymore, I want you to know that I am. Last week's main point was simply this. We serve a God that moves. Amen? And how many guys, just, just be honest, it's a little scary, but how many guys are glad God moves? I'm, I'm glad I don't go back to the same place the same time. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I get tired of the same radio station. I, got, I get tired of the same hamburger. Um, I, I get tired of, of, of the same scenery. One of the things I don't get tired of is God, my family, my bulldog. You know what I mean? I, I mean, th these things, are, but they're always evolving as well. And, and when, when I talk about God moving, I don't mean that God's going to move away from you. I mean that if you want to stay close to God, you've got to realize you've got to have your sandals on. You gotta be ready to book because God in a moment will go this way, this way, this way, this way, and everybody's going this way, momentum's building up, and all this this. And you'd be shocked at how people just kind of keep going that way. Or they stop because they, wait, he was just here a moment ago and I can't find him. Listen, when you seek the Lord, you will find him. When you seek him with all of your heart, don't worry about can I find God in this day and age? I mean, with MTV and the internet, and how can I, in politics, how can I find God? Well, it's easy. Turn off MTV, the internet, and politics. And find him fast, search, walk, sit in silence, listen to worship music, whatever you got to do until his presence and, and your presence connect and you realize I found the Lord. Now God moves. Today I'm going to show you this same truth from about four different angles. I'm going to announce, I had a significant changes to announce. I'm only going to announce one today. I'm going to announce the rest of them next week. <laughs> so if you're like, what's the big change? It's like, I can't tell you. So Look at this. This is King David, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 18. Let's take a look at it the first way. Now, the Philistines had gathered and spread out in the valley of, of Rephraim. <clears throat> so David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, go, for I will surely wipe them, long-knuckled, uncircumcised Gentiles off the face of the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. So, so from this brief scripture, let's look for a recipe. How many guys like it when God does something consistently so you can see it in the pattern? So the, the pattern is this. There's an enemy. Everybody say enemy. So because there's an enemy, now there's going to be a battle. Everybody say battle. And so what you do is you talk to the Lord. You ask. Everybody say ask. And then God gives you direction. Say direction. And then you obey. Everybody say obey. And then God does supernatural stuff. There's, a, there's an enemy, there's a battle, there's an ask, there's, a, there's an answer, and there's an obedience. This is the recipe. If you want to know how to live your Christian life, how do I live fruitfully? How do I live beyond the, uh, the nine to five norm in your business, in your marriage, in your relationships with your, with your neighbors that don't like you, in, in, with in-laws and outlaws, humanity and supernatural beings? This is the recipe. You, there is a battle. This isn't heaven, right? 
So there's going to be a war. If there's a war, if there's an enemy, there's going to be a battle. We cannot resist the devil by going backwards, backwards, backwards. We resist the devil by going forwards, forwards, forwards. Light pierces darkness. We are light. And in this context, remember this, guys. You got, there's a battle. There's an enemy. There's a battle. There's a battle. There's an answer. There's a direction that comes from the Lord. When you hear that direction, you got to go for it, even if it's sometimes a dumb thing to do. That doesn't make any sense. A friend of mine just bit a, a pool out in California. For If I mentioned the name, you'd know who it was. And he, and he said, okay, it's going to cost about this much money. And then the Lord said, double it. And he said, well, I, that'll take me out of the bidding. And I, I want to do this. Like, it's, How many of you guys want certain people on your resume? You know, If I said their names, I can't remember their names, but they have TV shows and music videos and stuff, so they're famous. And I have a YouTube channel, which doesn't make me famous. But they... Uh, and, and so, he, so he doubled it. Guess what? He got the job. And guess what? It cost a lot more than he thought. He was going to lose money. Instead, he made good money because he did what the Lord told him to do. Why? Because there's a battle to fight. There's a relationship. There's, there's a spiritual realm. And God always knows what we don't. Anyone that goes to war without talking to God, anyone that goes into marriage without talking to God, anyone who goes into business, anybody that buys lunch without talking to God is missing on the supernatural benefit of a relationship with a God that sees it all. Why in the world would we turn a deaf ear and assume when God is giving us day by day, blow by blow direction? Now watch what happens next. Once more, now this is the very next verse. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the exact same place. Here, the same enemy on the same ground facing the same people with the same tactics. Anybody know what to do now? Now, now listen, how many of you guys know that sometimes just because the first service goes great, it doesn't mean the second service is going to? And, and we have this saying around here, we do like big outreaches and Easter and stuff. Like, listen, guys, that first service is great. You know why it went great? Because only those who rehearsed it know how bad it should have gone. And we prayed and prayed, oh, God, don't let us look stupid. Oh, God, win the lost, even if you got to ride a donkey today. Oh, God, help us. And then it happens. It's like, wow, that was awesome. Wow. High five. We're cool. And I've seen it. I'll correct every time. Listen, guys, just because it went great in the first service, every service is the first service. Only God can save people. Only God can move like he did in the first service. we got to come back and talk to God because the dynamics of the second, it isn't fair to feed yesterday's manna to today's people. you, you got to say, God, what's your will? What's your, and I never walk into a service without praying, without God. It's not the first service. It's the first service at 1130 today, but it's not the first service. we got to pray. So they're on the same ground, same time, same tactics, same enemy. And what does David do? He prays again. Listen to me. Hear me. I don't care how many times you built the house. I don't care how many times you sold a car. I don't care how many times you, you, your in-laws came to visit you. The significant things in life have a commonality of need. We need the supernatural intervention of God. We need the blessings of the Lord. So he asked, I, and, and this is, you know, David's faith in God was greater than David's faith in David. David's faith in the God who gave him victory was greater than David's victory. He just knew where to go. He knew where the spout was, where the glory came out. So David inquired of the Lord. Good thing he did, too, because the Lord answered and said, don't go. Don't do that again. But circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. Now, who would have thought of that, you know? So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Jezer, or, as the older people like to say, Gezer, but he killed him. So, so what's the point? What's the point of that story, Jim? This is the point, right? The danger of success is walking in our success. And not walking in the faith in the God who gives us success. When God moves, it is not uncommon for us to want to continue the things that God blessed in the past. How many guys like God's blessings? 
So if I come here at this time on this day to do this thing, to sing this song that this guy leads and this guy preaches, this guy, and I get blessed, 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 I want to be blessed. So I go back and do it again. But if we're not careful, we'll put our faith in the pattern that God established and not the God of the pattern. So it is always incumbent upon us to say daily bread. If the cloud moves, if the pillar moves, we serve a God that moves. We ask faith and obedience. Listen, success is not only winning battles. Success is measured in how we win. God blesses faith. I don't think God cares all that much about tradition. I think God cares about how he won battles yesterday. I think God cares about how battles are to be won today. And so there's this ongoing theme. People say, well, what's my gift? I don't have to pray about it. I'm just naturally funny. I'm just naturally generous. I'm just naturally smart. I'm just naturally... Listen, everybody's abilities are supernatural, right? Every good and perfect gift, if it comes through you, trust me, it didn't start with you. It just ended with you. God sent it through you as a willing vessel. It's my gift. It's my anointing. It's what we do. Who has to pray about it? No, no, no. Never trust yesterday's victories in today's battles. It's always a day to pray. Boy, you guys are doing good today. Now, David prayed about a battle that, that was identical to the battle he just won, and God told him to change everything about his tactics to win again. Again, God moves. Everybody say it with me. God, say it again. Come on. Oh, I just want to be a choir director so bad. So everybody put a pin in that statement. God moves. Just stop right there and put it aside for a second because we've got to add another element to the mathematical equation that we're coming up with today. How people come to Jesus today is very different than, than the way God was bringing people to himself 23 years ago when we started. This is our 24th trip around the sun. And uh, there, as your pastor, <laughs> was that you, Mrs. Mossman? That had to be. She starts all the good claps. Yeah. Um, what happened 23 years ago, and I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm not really kidding. I, I could walk up behind a piano, just me. I could play with the three chords that I knew. Every hymn is in the key of G. Did you know that? When I play it, it's in the key of G. Or a guitar or anything. And, and the Holy Spirit would fall. People would be loved down by God, blessed. I could walk up to the platform. I mean, guys were around back then. I could say, Mary had a little lamb, and his name was Jesus. And today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, and, and believe it or not, a large percentage of people in that room that didn't know the Lord would raise their hand, they'd weep, and they'd give their heart to God. Now, this is what we found out later on. They weren't, for the most part, giving their life to Christ. They were giving their life back to Christ because they'd had a childhood experience. Grandma had led them to Jesus. They'd gone to a vacation Bible school, a sidewalk Sunday school. They were taught the principles of Scripture in a, in a public classroom. They prayed every morning, you know, as part of the, you know, praying for their nation. Praying wasn't just, I pledge allegiance, it's, I, I pledge my faith. They, it was a different time in a different world. And what was happening is they'd walked away from that faith when they became old enough to tell their dad, you know, I'm going to stay home with you instead of go to church with mom. And the guys laugh and the ladies are like, that's not funny. It, I, they get it, you know. And, and then they kind of went through life and had some heartache, some heartbreak, maybe a marriage or two, maybe a, a kid or two, maybe a tragedy or two, an injustice or two. And at some point, they kind of stopped and said, you know, I can't remember the last time I was happy. I mean, like happy, like peaceful. And almost like when you lose your keys, you're like, where, where did I, I had them here, but they're not, they're not there. Let me go back. And they, they kind of found their way, and they walked into a church kind of going, I think I might have left my keys here. I think I might have left my joy here. I think I might have left my, my faith here. And I would say, anybody here want to give their life to Jesus? They said, that's why I came. I was hoping you'd ask. That isn't the way it is anymore. By and large, the people that we're engaging with in a, in a corporate level, you know, big outreaches or in this, this church, if they haven't had an experience with Christ, it's not all that uncommon. 
In other words, they're asking different questions. But this is why that large event evangelism works so well, because you could stand up in a crowd of three or 3,000 and say, Mary had a little lamb. His name was Jesus. How many of you guys came here to find him today? And people put their hands up. Because they wanted Jesus. They came looking for what they'd lost. Today, the lost have not yet found in part, or largely, population-wise, have not yet had an encounter with Christ. And we're dealing with adults that know no more about Jesus than you know about Muhammad, than the average person in this room knows about Buddha. So the conversation starts at a different place. The relationship starts at a different place. What, what adults are doing most often 23 years ago is coming back to Christ. Today, that just simply is not true. Today, it's actually more like, like being a missionary. It's like walking into a culture that doesn't know Christ at the level they did a couple decades ago and starting a conversation, showing them hungry people, spiritually hungry, looking for fruit on our trees to see whether or not what we have has substance to it or just dogma around it. You hear what I'm saying? It's not harder to minister to people. It's not, but it is different. The conversation is different. The time it takes to plant seeds because they haven't been planted, to water those seeds because they haven't been watered, to watch those seeds mature and protect them and, and to bring them fruition. Instead of us harvesting what was planted when they were five, we're now planting when they're 50. And I'm not saying God doesn't save people in a moment. He does. He still does awesome things every day. But by and large, as as we talked about this last week. God moves for a variety of reasons, you know, to teach us to follow faith, relationship, communication. But, but sometimes what God is doing is if people, if this line behind me is the abyss, like, and they're walking towards it, God will move to stand in front of a generation with a relevant word and say, don't do it. And sometimes, I set up this last week, God sends somebody in spandex to do that. And sometimes he sends a scholar. And sometimes he sends a neighbor. And sometimes he sends somebody that used to be an alcoholic but was delivered. And sometimes he sends a shepherd boy. And sometimes he sends a king. But God will always send somebody to every generation so they don't just fall off the abyss, having never been warned by a loving God who wants all of his children to be safe. And so there is incumbent upon us when God moves. He's not moving alone. He wants the body of Christ to go where he is, to, to say what he would say as ambassadors would do, to say what he wants said to the people he wants it to be said to, the way he said it to be said. And so we move. Um, it's not harder, but it is different. Like in the days of David, that frontal assault worked the first time. But I'm so glad David said, before we go to war again, we better ask God what he wants us to do this time. So let me ask you a couple questions. You guys doing all right? So as the family is pulling their boat to the lake today and passes a church, any church, in their mind, is that local church, A, respected? You know, and I, I don't really know much about that church, but I just have a common respect for all things religious, particularly Christian, because I watch MSNBC, and I think they're awesome. Um, I, I respect that. Or is it suspected? And I don't know much about those people, but... I heard that they got issues. I heard all they want is your money. I, I, I know what Christians do because I watch television. I know what Christians do because there's a guy that stood outside of a funeral holding up a sign with despicable things disparaging people that, that have gender identity issues and just said, God hates you. I, I know all about Christians because I watch MTV, you know? Are we respected, suspected, or as they drove by, they really didn't think about it because they're excited about going to the lake. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's rate these. The number one thing, A, B, or C, what do you think the number one thing they're thinking as they drove by First Baptist Presbyterian Pentecostal Catholic Church with signs of fire following, amen? As they drove by, that, it's a huge sign to fit all those words out. It's going to be a big sign, right? As they drove by the sign this morning on the way to the lake, which one, A, B, or C, do you think they were thinking about? Everybody. Okay, so they weren't thinking about it. 
Wasn't on their radar. Second thing, second most, what do you think they were thinking about? Uh, a or B? B? I think so too. So the last thing they're thinking as they go by is, man, we should turn this boat up that driveway and go to church on the way to the lake. Agree? That wasn't true 23 years ago. I'm not saying people didn't go to the lake. I'm saying they felt a lot worse about it when they did. <laughs> they still went to the lake, but they felt guilty about it because they knew the right thing to do was to honor God with that, with that day. Well, that day is now in a lot of competition for a lot of things. We worship our children. Our children have sporting events. Or our children lead us. Um, a friend of mine's son played, played hockey about the middle of the season. He, he said he doesn't play hockey. He plays stinking hockey. You know, hey, you want to hang out? I can't. I got stinking hockey this weekend. You know, we got to drive somewhere and spend $1,000. And we had to buy a motor home and all the gear. And, you know, he's four, but he's going to play in the NHL someday. So it's... It's good. It's like, he's like, hey, it's a puck. You know, I can see greatness in him. Go, Gretzky, go. <laughs> you know, he's on the ice licking it, but I'm sure he's going to be wonderful, you know, someday, right? So 23 years ago, I, I think it was more respected than it is now. True or false? Absolutely true. So there has been a change, yes? And so for us to, to continue to move as a church in a direction that says, listen, when they pass our driveway, they feel terrible about it. They'll be here next week. It just simply is not true. They're probably not thinking about it. So they are. The thought they're having is, you know, those people are trying to take away my fun by going to the lake or my, my beer or my sexual orientation or my whatever. Whatever thing they've heard that we're against or for that's contrary to the way they want to live. How many of you guys know that idolatry is the number one religion in America today, not Christianity? Even in Christianity, we suffer from a great deal of idolatry. What's idolatry? I formed a God in my image who would never do what I would never do and would always do what I would always do. He values what I value. And he does what I does because he's just what I am. Just as I am without one plea. I am my God. You know? Um, let me ask you another question. Does the average person we are trying to reach here in Fenton today who passed our entrance this morning, did they, do they know the gospel and respect it? You know, I'm, I'm fully aware that God so loved the world, he gave his son, lived a perfect life, died uh, an atoning or substitutional death for me on the cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead. The salvation is by grace through faith. It's not by being a good person. You can't be good enough to deserve heaven. Only the goodness of God can rescue you from the evil of man. You know what I mean? So I, I know that, and I'm fully, and I respect that message. Or is it, I know the gospel and reject it? I know all that. I just, I just, I'm not ready. I don't want to. Or is it the last one? I, I don't really know the gospel adequately enough that would make any difference anyway. Now, again, ABC, which one do you think is most likely, if we were to ask them as they pass their driveway with the boat and they didn't allow us to get into it so we can ask them mean questions, right? Which one is it, A, B, or C? Everybody. They probably don't know the gospel, do they? It's not a complicated message. I just gave you the basic tenets of the gospel. It took me 23 seconds. What would be the second one, A or B? I think B. If they did know it, but I don't think many do, and then A would probably be the last one. So, so let me say this. Here's the point. If the dynamics of battle have changed, then we are the ones required to move where God is moving to stand between them and the abyss. True or false? Okay, let's ask a question. Is this biblical? Because I've heard people say, you know, I, like we went through the great hymnal wars of 1996. Um, it says, holy hymnal. You cannot remove anything holy from the church. And I'm not mocking anything. I'm really not. It sounds like I am, but I'm just, I used to be young. So give me a break. All right. This was my hippie movement. So we have to have hymns. Well, why do we have to have it? So we try to compromise. Let's do shout to the Lord and then how great thou art. And then as the deer pants. How many of you guys remember those days? 
We put the hymn in the middle so we could sit down during that because you sit down to, and, you, and, the, and there's wonderful things about sharing a book. There's wonderful things about hymns. This is not a disparaging of that whatsoever. It's just, it's just a point that when culture changes, it can be difficult on people. So is this, people say, well, you can't do this. That's not biblical. Sing hymns to God. It's like, well, do you really think the word hymn means what's in the hymnal? Or do you think a, a song of worship written to Christ is a hymn. So we had to redefine, but they were, they were like pulling scripture out and they were pulling hymnals out and they were calling my staff into prayer meetings to nail them for not changing music. It was just, it was a silly moment in, in church history. Thank God we're past all of that now and everybody agrees completely on music. <sighs> anyway, so is it biblical? Well, let's see. Let's see. All right. In the, in the life of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Can I read this to you? I won't put it on the screen. Let me read it to you. Paul says this, though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself, I have made, transformed, metamorphosed myself to become a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became, everybody say became. I wasn't, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became, everybody say became, like one under the law. Though I myself, I'm not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became... Like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, they don't walk off the cliff. And if I have to change to stand in their way and change my name from Saul of Tarsus, a Hebrew of Hebrews, faultless in the law, Pharisee of Pharisees, to Paul, a Gentile name, so that you can relate to me a little bit better when we have our opening conversation, then I will change who I am to reach who you are for who he is. Look at Peter. We find this in Acts chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. Remember, the Old Testament law said Jews are not to associate with Gentiles. You can't eat. You can't, you can't touch them. You can't visit them. And then Peter has a vision one day. Lunch is being prepared. He said, well, I'll just go pray for a little while. He goes up and prays, and God sends this heavy revy on him that opens the door for us who are Gentiles in this room to be saved. I can draw a straight line from your salvation to this moment in human history. And God sees this vision of God ascending and descending, and there's unclean animals, and he hears this voice, kill and eat. He's like, I'm not going to kill that. That's, the law forbids me to even touch that, let alone kill it and eat it. I, I would never defile that. It happens again. And it happens a third time. God says, kill and eat. And then he says this, don't call unclean. Now, now how did he know it was unclean? The law of Moses said it was unclean. The Bible, God, the law said don't eat it. But then God said don't call unclean what I now call clean. But yesterday it was sin. And today it's sin not to. And the God who moves says, "Uh uh-huh. How confusing is this? Wait, that was sin yesterday. I mean, it wasn't sin. That was a bad sin yesterday. Like, you'd be thrown out of the temple. You'd have to, go th- you'd have to kill animals for your sin, your specific sin. Blood would have to be shed for what you did if you sat down and had a cup of coffee with a Gentile. And today, God says, go to the Gentiles. While talking with Cornelius, this Gentile I'm talking about, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit with you. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. Who changed? 
Peter had to change. Why? Because he couldn't obey God. He couldn't go where God was leading him unless he allowed himself to be changed in that moment. You want to talk about the greatest transformation? Let's talk about Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a metaphorical language where God's talking about, I give you my Word, I give you my promise. You can stand on this, this is bedrock, it's Torah. And he's saying, my Word, he's giving an analogy, like Jesus is the Word of God. I give you my Word that I will rescue you. Here's my Word. And then he goes to verse 14. The Word became flesh. The Word did what? The Word became. The word is God, and God is the word, verse 1. And I changed so that you could behold the glory of my son and understand the salvation that comes by faith. Are you guys still here? The word became flesh. Why? Because God was reaching flesh. He was reaching beyond covenant people, the Jews, to an entire world and this great plan that I don't have time to teach, but it's really amazing. So the point is this. God, the church, leaders... Everybody has to change when God says change, yes? So after years of prayer, now put a pin in that. Pin one, pin two. After years, um, let me just, can I just tell you a story real quick? I got 24 seconds. Can you guys wait 24 more seconds? Oh, we're going to get out of here on time. That's for the people on the radio. The first major outreach we did to this community was an all-or-nothing event. And there's a handful of people in this room that were here for that, and it was the 4th of July. And I was told that a 1,000 people gathered on our lawn to watch the fireworks. It used to go off right across the street at the high school, um, back when they had a grass field. Now they have a plastic one, and it would catch on fire, so they, don't, they do it way down over the lake. And, um, and they said, well, we just, we just kind of block the driveways and kind of shoo them off. We get in here, but we, we don't let them come because they always show up with their beer and their, you know, their cigarettes and stuff. And, I, and I, I got that. I understood where they're coming from. But when I prayed about it, God said you need to get the blocks out and fill up that field and preach the gospel to them. And I went to the church and I said, hey guys, what we're going to do? And I'll be honest with you, not everybody was happy about it. <laughs> and then it rained. After we spent money we didn't have, the ponies were wet, the go-kart we paid $300 for, we tried to get it donated, they didn't donate, I said, we got to have a go-kart, I already put it on the flyer, so we spent $300 on a go-kart. It was fast, it was awesome, I got a week in advance, and I used it the entire week. I went up and down the hallways. I actually put skid marks in the brown shag rug going around the corner. Never mind, it doesn't matter. It's not your main, but I had so much. I was 29, I was a kid. Leave me alone, don't judge me. <laughs> judge not, it's in the Bible. And uh, man, I'm not kidding you. The time came and everything was wet and a kid, the first kid went down truck road. We didn't own truck road, we just, we just used it. <laughs> Broke a lot of rules. It, it went down, they put, she put on the brake. And, uh, and it was a painted piece of metal that was supposed to hit a dry rubber wheel, but it was wet. She hit the, the big barricade down at the end of the road there, and ponies are all wet. And I said, guys, this, it's raining. Come on inside. A buddy of mine was in town from Phoenix. He's a rapper. We went from hymns to rap in the sanctuary in one day. <laughs> I never forget the first of many conversations that I have with a guy that I, I love and respect, so please don't take this wrong. He walked in and he said, I know that what you, you're doing you think is right, but it's not, and only God can prove it to you. And my family and I are leaving this church because we are humiliated by, what, by the circus that you created over the 4th of July. We're not, we're not coming back. We're done. I said, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's sad. I, I'm going to miss you, um, but I bless you. As you go, oh, bless me or not, I'm leaving. It's like, okay, then bless you. 
I'm, I'm sorry, bless you, you know. And they left, and that was the first of many people because it, I felt like what, what we needed to do was, was reach this community where they were at. And so we moved to stand between people that were on their way to hell. And eventually we got rid of our suits and our ties, and some of us decided to get rid of, you know, suits and ties and dresses, and some people started wearing makeup, and some people started getting tattoos, and some people started... And the whole thing's evolved. And I can really draw a straight line to that first event on the 4th of July. Um, here's my announcement. We're going to change the 4th of July this year. Um, I wish I could say we're going to continue to do it the way we've always done it. But I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm, I, I say this with a sense of almost uh, trepidation or almost a little trembling in my, in my gizzard right now. If we were to do the 4th of July again this year, as we've done the 23 previous years, I feel like I would be in direct disobedience to what God has told me to do. I really don't have an option. This you do, I don't. For the last five years, God's been saying I'm moving. Like, okay, okay, but you know, John and Cheryl worked so hard to sell a thousand cupcakes to a bunch of people that didn't need the calories, and <laughs> we got like ten grand worth of brownies. You know what I mean? Stored up, uh, not I mean the, the cash from the brownies, and then we started an exercise class. So it worked. It worked in the end. I mean. And, and so we just did it again. And I just, I've been hearing God say, I didn't tell you to do this, Jim. Jim, I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you to do this. And man, I'm telling you, if I do it again, I feel like I'll be in trouble. I'm, I'm not afraid of God, but I do have the fear of the Lord. Does that make sense? Oh, I don't want to, just don't talk to him. He might hurt you. Like the, the, it would be a direct act of disobedience, I believe, on my part to lead this congregation in a way I believe God said I'm not doing that anymore. So this is what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> Ready, fire, Aim. Or another way to say that is faith. Instead of one meeting with 3,000 people, what I'd like to do is about 100 that have 30 people at them. Why? Because in a group of 30 people, I can get to know your name. I can know by the end of the day where you work. I can hear your heart. I can build a relationship. I can invite you to coffee. A group of 30 people in my home, around my home, at the lake, at the gas station, at the parade route, during the 5K, whatever, wherever, you, wherever you guys, wherever the Lord might lead us corporately and individually to go, I think we can reach the same number of people, but I think that the needs have changed so dramatically that for us to try to do it with the, just a large group setting, again, A, it's disobedience in my heart, but B, I think it's disobedience because God's saying, I have a better way to stand between people that are perishing and hell, and I want you to get to know them. They're not regurgitating or reconstituting a childhood faith. There are, there are legitimate fields that have no seeds whatsoever planted in them, and I want them to taste the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and I want you to plant the seeds of the gospel in their heart, and I want you to do it in a smaller group. So I wish I had this grand announcement of now, outside the table right now, there's 100 groups for you to sign up and be a part of and invite your friends to, and I, there isn't. I told the life group leaders uh, a week and a half ago, what we are doing. I know that group is already, they're, they're already, if you thought you're going to get Pastor Carl to do your barbecue, he's long since been taken. That's all I'm saying. But, I, but again, let me just say this. We will, and this sounds so strange because I fought to have it here so hard 24 years ago. We will not be having anything on the grounds this 4th of July. So you say, well, what about the people that show up? What about the, what, what, what they'll think that we went under? They'll think, I, and I have, those are legitimate questions. I fired, haven't quite aimed yet. And we have, we have work to do. But I wanted to let you know, this is one. Next week, I'm going to give you three more changes. 
that are coming to our schedule, to our calendar, to our emphasis. We're going to announce the summer seminar series, the 12 weeks of summer, what we're going to be focusing on. We've done leadership. We've done orphans to heirs. This year we're doing something else. We're pouring ourselves into this. But I believe this is what God wants us to do. Matter of fact, piano guy, join me if you would. I'm sorry, this is, this is Daniel's first time. I said, when I call piano girl, just come up. He's like, piano girl? He's like, just go with us. Just don't, don't, you don't have to understand, you know. So everybody say good morning, Daniel. He's worth every dollar we're not paying him. Watch how good he is. Now watch, watch. He's, he's really shy. Watch. No. Um, I wish, I wish I had more details. But I'll be really honest with you, 24 years ago when we were doing our first 4th of July, I, I had less details than I do right now. I think that what the world needs is more direct relationship from people that are more actively engaged. And, and please... Don't take this the wrong way. I think the corporate model of come to my church and get saved, I, I see that declining. That's bad news. The good news is there are still people that need Jesus at a higher level. Where sin abounds, grace, what? That much more. God, the, the times are so hard. Perfect. The harder the days, the greater the grace. There was a day 30 years ago or so before all the, the corporate come to the church, come to the church, mega church, the bigger the better, where people used to go to work at GM to build a car and they came home born again because someone told them about Jesus at the lunchroom and they got saved. I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard a single story of an adult leading another adult to Christ one-on-one -on -one in years. The only stories I know are about people that invited people to a place, to an event, to a thing, to a concert, to a revival, to, a, to church, to, and, they, and isn't that great they got saved? And it's wonderful, it is. But I got to tell you, I'm watching God bless it less and less. And I'm asking myself, what's next? Where, where are you going? And, and trust me or don't, it's up to you. you. You better pray about this. I've prayed about it. I trust me. I trust him. But I'm not asking you to trust me like, like I'm him. You pray about it. But I think what God is doing is the corporate model is now in decline, which tells me there's still a God that wants to stand between those that are lost and the abyss they're heading towards. I believe he's going to do it through the individual at a higher level than we've seen in the last 30 years. Here's the problem. If I don't know anybody that's led anybody to Jesus one-on-one -on -one as adults in years, we probably have forgotten how to do it. We're probably scared to do it. We're probably feeling awkward about doing it. So I propose to you today is it's time to not care about how bad it feels to you. It's time to say, God, are you moving? And if you are, where are you going? And if you're going somewhere, how do I find where you are? So are you where God is? Or do you find your heart where God wants? No, no, we can do this. The 4th of July, we'll just, we'll have more brownies. We'll have horses instead of ponies. We'll have our own fireworks. We won't have hot dogs. We'll have kielbasa. That will reach the Polish people. The one Polish person that was reached over there. This is, was that you, Saretsky? Yeah, it was. I figured. I figured. <laughs> the second question is, are, are you ready to prayerfully follow God by faith into this future? You stand to your feet, please. What's the recipe? What's the formula? Here it is. There's an enemy, which means there's going to be a battle, which means we've got to hear where God's sending us, which means we've got to obey when we hear. And once we obey, God supernaturally can do anything he wants to do through that obedience. And I present it to you. Every person that's right, Jim, I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. David doesn't know how to kill giants either. Jesus doesn't know how to resurrect himself from the dead either. Peter doesn't know how to walk on water. 
No, Saul doesn't know how to be king. Paul doesn't know how to preach the gospel. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I want to say this to you. Everything we do the first time must be done by faith. When we do it a second time, maybe it takes less faith, but there better be faith in it. Because God cannot be pleased without our faith. So I don't know how to do this. If you said that, well, that isn't for me. I was going to come work an hour in the bounce house. But I'm, it, then I think God may be speaking to you right now and challenging you to kill the fatted calf and get somebody like Pastor Carl to come cook it for your friends. Maybe putting on some orange vests and sitting at the local gas station just to pump gas and greet people as they're on their way up north or back down south and just work together as a team. Maybe, maybe you got a pontoon boat and you live on the lake and you're thinking, how can I reach my neighbors? And you just get a big cooler full of everything that they want to drink, which is water. <laughs> I, I'm not presuming to tell you how to do this. I can't. But what I am presuming is this. Close your eyes. Father, I ask that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to every individual what are we supposed to do next? Some, maybe it's the race. Some, maybe it's um, very purposely watching the parade with a handful of others wearing the same T-shirt. For some of us, maybe it's, it's uh, giving away something. For some, it's a, it's a party in our home for our neighbors that we've never met. But God, I pray whatever it is, may there be fruit upon the tree of your people. The, the greatest day of that, uh, that event was probably about 5,000 people. People had to walk for three-quarters of a mile to even get on the grounds. Everybody was mad. <laughs> All the neighbors were mad. Police were mad. But you were so happy, I believe, that day, God, watching all that. That was its heyday. God, I pray that we, what we now commit to you for this one very small, significant thing and a calendar of things that are all about to change. God, I pray, give us great vision that the greatest days that were behind us will be pale in comparison to the greatest days that are now in front of us. We got to the old days by faith. I pray now, God, that you would impart faith. Show them now. Show them a vision. Put a, put a picture in their mind of what they're to do. Speak to their heart this week, God. Let people confirm it as they walk, just to give them faith. Gideon needed, the, Gideon needed his enemy to say that, that vision, that dream, man, that's Gideon. He's coming to kill us. Like, he needed to hear his enemy speak. God, whatever it takes to put faith in our hearts to take a step, because I believe, God, the corporate model will always be used on some level. I believe you're putting your grace and your blessing on individuals, leading individuals to Christ. A forgotten discipline, uh, a, a bygone era. But God, I pray, would you pour life on the dry bones and may resurrection come, God. If it's this or anything else, let us be in the body of Christ, standing between those that are lost in the abyss with our hands up saying, God says to you, Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I know it's a corporate setting, and I don't mean to, to take away from the corporate setting like God doesn't use it anymore. He does. God will use every, <laughs> every setting. I'm just saying I feel like the Lord wants me to lead this church towards something that, that's new and, and ancient all at the same time. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord or you're not right with God, before you leave here today, I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to tell you about my Savior. I already told you the gospel. What, what I didn't tell you was the heart behind it. God doesn't tolerate you. God's not offended by what you've done. Before you were ever born, before you ever did it, God sent his son Jesus to die in your place and in my place so that in this place, you would know he wants you to live forever in his place. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You've not gone too far. This is for you.
You understand I've got a record. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand who I've hurt. You don't understand. For you to say that your acts, your deeds have more power than what God's acts and deeds do is blasphemy. Stop it. He is greater than you. What he has paid for is paid for. It just has to be received. He paid for you. He's paid for murderers. He's paid for rapists. He's paid for liars and cheaters and thieves. He's paid for those who are crucified on his left and on his right. He's paid for you. The grace of God's bigger than your sin. Believe it. And now receive everything God has for you. Father, I pray for those that just need you. God, may they find you in this moment right here, right now. May there be just a breath. May, may they feel it from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, God, that this is a moment of divine destiny, something that from the foundations of the world you have longed to, to enjoy with your son, with your daughter. Now, God, let the forgiveness, let the grace, let the peace of God protect their hearts and their minds. May they know a joy that will become their strength in this moment, God. And may they never go back. May they never doubt. May they never fear. May they never leave your side as you move in their lives from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. 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 Altar workers are coming forward. Next week, we are going to be talking more about this. There's lots of other announcements, lots of changes. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I will not, terrible English, I will not not lead you. We'll do what we can to prepare you, but in the end, all the preparation in the world will not replace a moment of great courage and faith. This week, here's your homework. Find someone that needs what you have and, and begin to exercise muscle. I'm not good at that. I don't know how to, just do it. Dave's not good at killing giants, but he did it. Peter doesn't know how to walk on water, but he walked on water. Yeah, but Peter fell. Forget that illustration. Find another one. Sometimes we learn more in our drowning than we do in our, in our walking. May God bless you to be fruitful. He has plans for this place. He has plans for you. Don't miss it. I'm going to head back and drink some coffee and hang out. If you want to hang out with me, I'd love it. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon. Any prayer coming forward?